This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. Hello and welcome to episode 92 of Talking Dirty over at East Ruston Old Vicarage looking totally tropical in oh so many colours. We have Alan Edward Herbert Gray, our happy and very handsome horticulturalist. Well, and on this, again, very warm day over in Cambridgeshire, who, dare I say, she's gently glowing, ladies and gentlemen. I won't use the word sweat because it sounds kind of fun. But in Cambridgeshire, she's in the, she's in a great heat at the moment. Um, here, dare I say it, I'm basking in wonderful sunshine with a gentle sea breeze. It's absolutely fabulous. But let's say hello to Thoris Maria Sophia Fredrickson. I'm gently glowing because I've had COVID. It finally got me after two years. I'm so frustrated. Oh, so, I'm so sorry. Oh, if I'm perspiring, that's why. I'm not in bed anymore. So I'm I'm back. We're podcasting. We're talking dirty. And Elizabeth Daryl Watkins, the one and only Derry Watkins of Special Plants, is with us right across the other side of the, the UK. How is it with you, Derry? Hot. <laughs> <laughs> Now, from your American roots, are you a bit better at coping with this than some of us, personally? No, I don't think so. I've been <laughs> here too long. I've acclimatized. I'm a natural. I've become a cool climate woman. I, I do like the warm evenings. I love the long, warm evenings. You can sit outside after dark for the first time in my memory. Yeah, that's true, actually. Even even on this cooler, cooler northeast coast of Norfolk, I mean, it is dreamy to sit outside. I mean, just to sit outside in a garden and you see the whole garden through new, new eyes as the light goes down because some colours glow, some fade, some, you know, it's so important. It's so lovely. Another dimension. It's the, the most beautiful time in the garden is the yeah. evening, the early morning and the evening. Absolutely wonderful. And this year, for the first time, we're see, I'm beginning to see the garden in the dark. I mean, <laughs> you know, I've wandered around in, when it was more or less dark, after sunset anyway. And it yeah. does look completely different. What are the plants that you are appreciating in that whole new light by seeing them in the gloaming, seeing them in the twilight? Well, the phlox, phlox blue paradise particularly, just glows in the evening. Absolutely. It looks like it's luminescent practically. A lot of the salvias, they sort of twinkle. A lot. Of, I have quite a lot of pale salvias that twinkle away in the, in the gloaming. Uh, what else? Um, obviously, Nicotianas and things like that do really well at night. They're really they're sort of almost night plants. You have to pretend you're a moth and wander around the garden <laughs> looking for the white flowers. <laughs> You've just inspired me because I keep sitting and looking at my garden and thinking, right, I think that one's going to go and that one's going to go because they've not coped well this year. And I definitely yeah. need pale salvias i think one or two of those would would really i've always yeah. wanted some and i've never known where to put them and now if i'm going to replace things it's my opportunity well Derek yeah. just mentioned flocks there i mean flocks is one of the plants that really is showing its disgust if you can't irrigate um and i think this particular year i mean every year we we mulch we give a thick layer of mulch um in in late winter early spring um and even with that, Phlox is showing its disgust at, at, at lack of moisture. And yeah. I'm wondering whether, yeah. particularly where I live, on the dry, one of the driest parts of, of the whole of England, that 
Um, I'm going to have to give up Flux possibly yeah. in future years if this well, kind of goes on. It's they hate dry weather. It's absolutely yeah. true. they just hate it. We I mulch heavily every the end of every winter spring, and I live in a high rainfall area, even though we've had no almost no rain. Uh, and so I'm not giving up on them, but I have to say I am watering them. We have yeah. spring water, which is flowing down the hill, whether we use it or don't use it. So I might as well use it. And yeah. I use it especially for the flocks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's sensible. I mean, that really is sensible. <clears throat> that that little comment reminds me of being in Spain, because I remember being in Spain. Um, I was in Cordoba and all the little courtyard gardens, they all had sort of kind of twinkling water features in them um just to try and get it to be cooler and i think the thing that they told me was that the mat the snow that's melting on top of the mountains comes down through the all the various villages you can't keep it but you can use it so you can take it but you mustn't stop the flow do you see what i mean because it, uh, it flows all the way down to the very bottom so everybody gets a share of the water and i thought that's wonderful yeah, yeah. it just carries on through you can't yeah. take it away but you can yeah. you can look watch it as it comes through <laughs> yeah you can watch it you can use it but you can't keep it <laughs> and it's amazing the difference um any kind of water makes I mean obviously not the tiniest water feature but we went took the dog for a walk by the river cam along some of the water meadows and it was amazing especially once the sun dipped the water the temperature by the water was so blissfully cool and you you realize this wonderful kind of microclimate that exists there it's a bit like using a sprinkler in a shady area on a very hot day. Um, and, you know, you go through that shady area if the sprinkler's been on and there is a definite dip in the temperature. Um, yeah. and it's it's laden, the whole air is laden with moisture. It's so refreshing. It's lovely. Everything sparkles. Yeah. It does sound very like in your garden, at least with the spring and being in a slightly kinder part of the country than we are over in East Anglia. It's just brutal. <laughs> it has been for months. Um, it sounds like you might have had a t slightly easier ride than some of us, but obviously still a challenging yeah. year. Oh, yeah. Most years I don't water. Maybe once a year I might water. Uh, this year I've watered the entire place twice thoroughly. And I probably... Well I might do it one more time, but that, that, that's, for, for most people, that's not much watering. But for me, that's a lot of watering. Well, I, I, I'm terribly envious of your spring, uh, Derry, because, um, you know, spring, natural spring, flowing water, um, so envious of it, because here at East Russell and Old Vicarage, the water table is between 19 and 25 feet below the surface. And we have a very free-draining sandy loam and to, to that water point. So it is... Um, you must sympathise with me, darling. You really must. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's tough going. <laughs> We're actually on the spring line. The water yeah. comes out of the ground. Okay, okay, Joe. <laughs> just, so, just to make you feel even worse. It's bad enough when we talk to people like Ben Preston at York Gate and he talks about, you know, rainfall what what is this thing rainfall that we don't get anymore <laughs> though actually talking about ben um i know that uh that you uh, you but he paid you a visit you paid him a visit i think there's been lots of visiting going on oh oh <laughs> it's, a, it's a mutual association uh yeah i went up there last summer and he he's been down here for several times recently he brought his whole crew it was fun it's, I love having keen gardeners come here. It is more yeah. fun than anything is talking gardening with keen yeah. gardeners, just like here today, for example. <laughs> nice segue, Derry. You've got to come and realize. 
for life. <laughs> well, we we are hopeful, and it very much depends on technology, but anyone who watched your last episode, which we'll link to on YouTube, um, we had so much fun because you took us on a bit of a walk around your garden and we got to look at your carnival bed and your black and white border and all of these fabulous things. But the tour, I think partly down to phone battery, was slightly curtailed and we couldn't have a look at your gravel garden. And so we hoped that we'd be able to sort of do part two of the tour a few months later um, or several months later today. But we haven't done a test yet. So we're going to have to do some sort of shenanigans and see if we can get you out in your garden, Derry. I'll go set, I'll go set up my phone and see if we can't get videoing outside. Well, as if by magic, I said Derry was going to work her magician skills on her phone and head outside. So we've left the kitchen behind with that fabulous red ceiling, Derry. Very stylish kitchen. <laughs> and here we are by by which door of your house? Paint a picture for us. Uh, we're coming out the back door. to get to, The best way to get to my garden is straight through the house. So you go in the front door, straight through the house, out the back door. And here we are standing on the terrace you let me show you the terrace okay this is the terrace we've just come out the door and then we're going to go down the steps here oh lovely the, the, the steps lead straight down to the gravel garden it's now that ridiculous time of day when it's dark or in shadow anyway at the front and in absolutely blazing sunshine out there so the gravel garden is a uh, half and half at the moment blazing sun and shadow the shadow is a lot easier to work with, but we all just have to figure it out. So the reason we have a gravel garden is because we've got heavy clay soil. And a lot of my favorite plants are borderline hardy Mediterranean style plants, which hate clay, which really like, uh, you know, they want the best drainage you can give them. Poor soil, generally speaking, and really good drainage. They are borderline hardy uh but what causes their death normally isn't the cold, but is having wet feet. So I just decided we were going to have to have a gravel garden. The it was it's heavy, sticky clay, and I knew they were going to hate it. So we decided to make a gravel garden. Nobody had done this. This is 27 years ago. Beth Chateau was making her gravel garden, and I went to visit her. But this bears no relation to her gravel garden. Uh, she gardens on free draining porish soil so the right kind of soil for my plants and she uses gravel as a mulch on the surface well i knew mulching my heavy clay with gravel was going to be a disaster we would just have weed heaven and the plants wouldn't like it so i uh, decided we were going to have a really deep gravel garden this is eight inches of gravel on sticky yellow clay and it was an experiment i didn't know if it would work i didn't know if the plants could survive but they have Loved it. They are luscious. I mean, plants which shouldn't be living here are doing extremely well. This erythrina, absolutely amazing. This erythrina cristagoli. There's no way that should survive outside in the UK. Uh, maybe in Cornwall, but not here. Uh, but given perfect drainage and tied up against a south-facing wall, it survives most years. I mean, in 2009-10, I did lose one. But uh, since then, it's been absolutely fine uh so i thought i'd just quickly walk you through what's here yes yeah i adore a gravel garden dairy i mean i am a massive fan of beth chateau's gravel garden i think in almost every garden right. i visit they're one of my absolute favorite parts right. of the garden right. Right. so I, i'm super excited to see this and also excited to see what you've done i mean i i didn't as 
successfully do my front garden, which is clay, into a gravel garden. I didn't use quite as much gravel as you because I'm not as clever as you. Um, but it's it's inspiring <laughs> to see what can be achieved on clay. So I'm I'm all ears, Derry. I can't wait. Okay, well, if we start at the beginning, this is Trachelospermum asiaticum, which is a wonderful evergreen climber, which actually probably would survive, might survive in the clay. Uh, but I wanted a way of covering that the wall there, the, the raised up terrace, and I need to clip it back again. It gets it's a serious grower once it gets going. I have slaughtered it a few times, <laughs> uh, and then uh, one of the things that, of course, loves the gravel are the salvias. So this is Salvia Stormy Pink. Uh, this was an accidental seedling on the nursery about 20 years ago, more than 20, about 24 years ago. This is an accidental seedling. In those days, I thought all my salvias were tender. And so I assumed that this was tender. I planted it here in this very spot and it stayed here for 20 years. And about four years ago, it died of old age. It's just, I mean, salvias aren't meant to last 20 years. It was huge, and it had these big tree trunks underneath, uh, which basically split open. The, 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 it was just, it was too old for its own good. But the reason it lasted 20 years, and this is a real tip for all, uh, virtually all Mediterranean-y shrubby sort of plants, lavenders and uh, perovskias and agastaches and all these guys, uh, you cut them really, really hard back in the early spring. As soon as you see new growth, you cut, you slaughter them, cut off most of the plant, almost everything that grew last year. That renews the plant. It makes it a tidier, neater mound. Uh, it's more floriferous and it's much longer lived because basically the plant is growing over again each year. Otherwise, it overgrows itself and it grows out too far. Uh, uh, it gets too big, it flops open, and it can't support itself. I just want to show you what I, I can find in here. The tree trunks at the base of all this growth. There. <laughs> there's basically some trunks. You see where I've been slaughtering this? Oh, there's a better one. You can, I've been slaughtering this for years here. Uh, this, well, this one's about four years old. And it will get gradually get bigger every year, very gradually. And after 20 years, it will be four foot by four foot, and then it'll die. That's all right. It's allowed to die. It's done its job. Uh, next to it is peony cambesidesii, uh, which is a beautiful peony from, I've forgotten, Mallorca. It's one of those islands. It's on a nice island. It's not reliably hardy, but it is hardy here. Uh, it has, not at this moment, but in the spring, it has an incredibly beautiful foliage, rather silvery on the top and very pink underneath, but not right now. It's, it's, it's way past its best, but anyway, it's a nice peony. Uh, most peonies really, I don't think, like full sun, but this one pretty much does. Um, and above the peony, this beautiful, beautiful yucca, yucca rostrata, sapphire skies, absolutely amazing. I used to wrap this up every winter because I thought it wasn't very hardy, but eventually it got so big I couldn't be bothered and it just hasn't minded at all. Mind you, we haven't had to go through 2009-10 again. Uh, one of the things I like best about it is the way the leaves, each leaf is twisted. You see that? And oh, as yeah. you move, yes, each leaf is twisted. And as you move by it, you get this sort of moiré effect of the different leaves. They, as it's just extraordinary in the winter because it's evergreen, you see it all winter. And as I walk down past this on the corridor on the other side of the glass in the middle of winter, this is so beautiful walking by that. Yucca rostrata. 
just sapphire skies. That is like yeah. an art installation in the garden. It yes, is absolutely it is. It's wonderful. It's like an art installation. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Eventually, that's going to make itself a trunk and end up shooting up into the sky, which I don't actually want it to do. I want it to stay right there. <laughs> but that's, that's its perfect moment this year. It's not, it won't be quite so good next year, I don't think. That's life. Well, I'm glad we got to see it at its perfect moment, looking like a massive Christmas decoration. Yeah, massive Christmas decoration. <laughs> okay, uh, there's a rosemary, rosemary uh, green ginger. Uh, has pink flowers down there. There's not much flower left on it, but they're sort of lavender pink, not the usual blue. Uh, it actually smells of ginger. It makes your nose prickle when you smell it. That's quite fun. Perfectly hearty. Uh, there's an ugly here. Oh, what a terrible name, an ugly ugly. Uh, but actually, this is a, it's the Chilean guava. It has little fruits, which I'm looking for. But the fruits actually, I think it might have dry, might have dried up. I don't water the gravel garden. This has not been watered ever. I mean, not since it was planted. But anyway, if when it may, does make fruits, they're delicious. Tiny little red fruits. Absolutely delicious. They're supposed to be Queen Victoria's favorite fruit, the Chilean guava. Eryngiums love the gravel. This one's Eryngium pen blue, wonderful color. Uh, most of the flowers are much older now. They've gone all silver, but there's still some brilliant, brilliant blue ones. That's quite fun. Oh. Uh, there's lots of oranges, actually. This is Oringium oliverianum, a great big one. We're now getting out into the sunshine. The sun is so hard. And there's a little oringium behind it, Oringium borgati, Graham Stewart Thomas. Uh, this is actually many, many oringium, Graham Stewart Thomas. It looks like a big plant, but it's actually about 20 little plants. Uh, much more steely, uh, but really good foliage, lovely, crispy now let's find a little few leaves, a little crispy green and white, uh, prickly sort of leaves. Uh, all the oryngiums just love it here in the gravel. Uh, what else? Uh, Perovskias, the Russian sage, oh. absolutely one of my favorite plants. Uh, silver gray foliage, beautiful, luminous purple. This is good, also good in the evening. Luminous purple uh, uh, flowers uh, and just you must, Chelsea, chop this at least once, if not twice. This had a hard cutback in April, and it had another hard cutback uh, at the beginning of June, and it's it's made a nice, tidy plant. You almost always see them flopped open because they've overgrown themselves. They can't support that much growth. We have too much rain, too much food, and they grow far too big. Uh, they're designed for very hot, dry, miserable conditions, and then they grow nice and sturdy and fat. Uh, but if you keep chopping at them, you can make them grow nice and sturdy and fat. And it's worth it. I mean, they're just lovely. The young flowers are so fine. And the older flowers so purple. I absolutely love Porovskia. There's there's a fabulous roundabout as you drive from where I live to the sort of North Norfolk coast. Uh, so if I'm going to the beach, you go past a roundabout, which is basically just exclusively Porovskias. And it's such a, a wonderful sight. Oh. A, it means you're getting closer to the beach. But B, it's just <laughs> such clever planting on this roundabout. It, it, I don't know whether they Chelsea chop it. I'm never there to see. But it certainly always just looks after itself. And it's looking fabulous. And it's great for the pollinators. And it just makes me smile every time I see it. Yeah. And the conditions are so harsh there. Up there, it's so dry and so hot and sunny that it's more like what they what they want out of life. 
Yeah. Whereas down here, near the border of Wales, you know, we have just way too clean. <laughs> lucky us. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not lucky for us. <laughs> yeah. Another plant that absolutely loves hot, dry, sunny, miserable conditions would do really well on your roundabout. <laughs> it's a little uh, kefalaria. It's um, related to scabious. They're like tiny little pale blue lavender blue scabious. It's the airiest plant you could possibly imagine. It's little, little blue flowers on thin, thin stems. Uh, I found this growing out of a crack in the sidewalk in Bulgaria. <laughs> and I collected seed and brought it home. Uh, and I've been growing it ever since. It doesn't really like me. It will grow here. But it doesn't. It should self-seed profusely. If I had a really hot, dry, sunny place where it was just horrible, nothing wanted to grow, <laughs> this would grow. That's exactly what it wants. It wants the crack in the sidewalk. It doesn't really like it. even eight inches of gravel. Isn't really enough gravel for it. It's a very annoying plant. Then <laughs> uh, Pearson lives down the road, and he has uh, outside his barn. He has a, a rubble area, just rubble, and it loves him. It oh. absolutely adores him. Self sows all over the place. I have to go and collect my seed in his house. So annoying. <laughs> and you said but it was a cephalaria. Yeah. I, do you say capillary or cephalaria? I, I don't know. You say either, I say either. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> there, there aren't any right answers with these things, I don't think. Which, which one is it? Transylvanica. Oh. I guess they must have found it in Transylvania, but I found it in Bulgaria. <laughs> <laughs> if we move on, we get to uh, Erythrina cristagoli. Oh. It's a, a it's a shame about the sun being so bright. This is just the most extraordinary plant. This is a South American tree. Actually, if I get a little further away, yeah. I can't really see. Can you see the whole effect? Mm. It's huge from yeah. my gravel. Garden. I have envy. Great envy. Yeah. Mine is about a tenth of the size. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, it's not reliably hardy. Uh, it's a. It wants to be a tree, and it certainly grows quite fast. But every winter, all those branches get killed back to the main trunk. And once you have a really, really woody trunk, it's worth risking it outside. Uh, the woodier it is, the heavier the bark. You can see down at the bottom. Uh, yeah, I've got some woody trunks down yeah, there. I hope yeah. you can see. Actually, Derek, that's, that's, that's a very useful tip for several trees than small shrubs that are probably not reliably hardy. For instance, Albizia. Julie Brissin. Um, yeah. yeah. It's another one. If you plant it out when it's too young and the trunk is too small, it won't survive. It will yeah. die. But if you wait until it gets yeah. that nice thick bark on it and a decent size, it's more likely yes. to survive. Also, Iochroma, exactly the same. Iochroma. Uh, yes. They, yeah. They're completely tender when they're young. Yeah. But once they're woody, they become very hardy. Iochroma, I mean, that's been there almost 20 years, my yeah. Iochroma. Didn't yeah. mind 2010 at all. So this guy, he get uh, in the winter time. I just have little short little tree trunks there, and uh, in the spring, if I'm lucky, little new green shoots suddenly appear, and they it comes out. Uh, it just it comes out quite late, and every yep. winter, every spring, I'm praying over it. Are you are you there? Are you there? Are are you coming back for me? And so far, apart from 2009, 10. It has come back, and I absolutely love it. The flowers are unbelievable. I mean, 
they're they're getting a bit sunburned. I didn't know they could get sunburned, but this year I'm getting here. You can see this; they're bleaching out white. Well, let me find you some good ones. One of the things I love about it is uh, the buds. Well, I can't find any very good ones. The buds are beautiful, like toucan's beaks. Yeah. You know, but then when they open, they are the sexiest find an open one. Uh, the sexiest thing going. Oh my God. They are just unbelievable. It, it is a devil of a plant, though. It has wicked, wicked thorns. The back, tiny, not very big, but the back of every stem and every leaf, there are tiny backward face, facing thorns that are like fish hooks. You can put your hand in, but you cannot get it out again. <laughs> you go forward in order to get out. It That's entrapment. <laughs> Entrapment, entrapment. <laughs> yes. This is a, a, a plant which loves you to pieces. Friends, in fact. <laughs> Alan, have you seen this bleaching before? The sun, yes, sun bleaching? I have. I yes. have. I've, I've had it on mine, actually, but not so bad because mine flowers later than yours. I don't know. Mine is not as far, as far forward as yours. I will get flowers this year because there's buds. Yeah. I can just see the emergent buds, but uh, it's not as far yeah. forward as yours. Yes. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. There are some different forms. There's a more compact form that's supposed to be hardier, I think. I heard in Germany, they said. But I, oh. I don't know what form I have. Whatever, whatever. Because mine has always flowered in July. This is that, if ah. anything, this is late for mine. Wow. So that's interesting. Now, how do you propagate that? I mean, that, would you get seed on that? I've never seen a seed on it. I ha used to have a friend in Argentina who sent me uh, seeds. He grew, as, he grew as a street tree on his where his yeah. mother lived. And he yeah. used to go collect the seed in the old days when you could do that. Um. I've never had seed on mine. I do uh, softwood cuttings in the spring. Ah. Those new shoots as they come out. Yeah. Here's another Kefalaria transylvanica. That one did seed itself. Hey. I think I had two, two self-sown seedlings last year. Here's a plant that's supposed to be prolific, and I get two. <laughs> two out of six. Miserable thing. Gary, have you tried, have you tried Sonchus in your gravel garden? The no, yes, yes. I've never grown that anywhere. Oh. Does that grow well for you? Well, well, I've got two big ones in pots. Um, and I they've got so big, I've just put them in the ground this year. But where they were standing last year, I found one little self-sown seedling, which I've got in a pot. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, with the, with the way our climate is going, I think we can experiment more with these kind of plants outside. But, again, I think like erythroid, Erythrina, I think you need to get it to be a certain size with a decent thick stem before you put it out. Yes. And always plant them in the spring. Never, ever plant anything borderline hardy in the autumn. No, never. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was so stupid two years ago. I can't believe I did this. I wanted to, I had a salvia border, a whole long, long. I remember. Border, just oh, yeah. Well, I tore them all out because I wanted to change the colors of the salvias. And I replanted in October. And they all died, even though they were hardy salvias and quite big plants. Yeah. They all died. Jesus. Never do that again. <laughs> but I, I replanted them in the spring and they're perfect. That's a very cheering thought to share with share with everybody, Derry, because people that don't know as much as you you do are, are quite likely to want to do that. Um, and there's the lesson. Don't. <laughs>
Just don't. Just don't even think about it. <laughs> it's very tempting. You want to get the most out of what you've already got. You don't want to look at all these little scrawny baby things while you're waiting for them to grow on. <laughs> there you go. So here's another uh, thing for very, very poor, dry soils, a verbascum called Rorithifolium. And like most verbascums, by midday, the flowers shrivel. Have you ever noticed that? They're yeah. really good in the morning. They look dreadful by midday. But this no, is one of those- No, they're not good for a garden that's open to the public, Derry. I know, I know. But I love this because it's so airy. The- uh, there's heart, there's almost no leaf on it. And it's lovely, clear yellow. And this one's flopped over. It's been in flower, as you can see, for months. That was just one self-sown seedling. Uh, and it's been, I think it's absolutely lovely plant. Uh, but again, for perfect drainage and uh, really hot and sunny and dry. Verbascum rorithifolium. Oh. Very easy to feed. I think it is perennial, but probably not very long-lived perennial. The Kepilaria, I don't think, is just basically an, an annual, I think. And those two, the Kepilaria and the Rubascum, are in a, a fun little tangle together. They're having a yeah. fun time over in the corner of the garden. <laughs> They're doing their thing. <laughs> a nice euphorbia, we call that blue dome. I don't know. It's, it's a hybrid that we've never managed to get a name on, so we decided I like the foliage a lot. So I uh, named it. Uh, there's dead Melana Salinum. Uh, Brother Salvia, Salvia, this is Salvia Nucklinder, mm. just as deep a purple as you could possibly find. Uh, little tiny flowers, very hardy, very tough, easy going. Uh, Fucolius. Oh, nice. Orange and purple, how weird. Corridor. Aquiluca is the most astonishing plant. This guy here, um, he this I planted this on the north side of my house in a damp, shady position. It was very, very happy, and it self-seeded everywhere. And it was so easygoing and lovely, and easy to pull up, and filled every gap. Well, it has now migrated, and it grows on every single part of my garden in the sunniest, driest, hottest places like this. Uh, in damp stone walls, in dry, sunny stone walls, in the shade, in the sun. It grows anywhere. It, I adore it. It, it self-sows too much, but it's so easy to get rid of. You just brush it and it's gone. And it's in creamy white flowers all summer long, six months of creamy white flowers. As soon as it starts looking shabby, just pull it up and get rid of it. Steepa gigantea, amazing grass. Big grass, not so big at the base. It doesn't take up as much room as it looks like it does. It's at, up, up top, it's six foot by six foot. But down the bottom, it's maybe four foot across. So that's quite useful. You can plant things around it. As long as they're not tall, you're not going to get, you don't want anybody interfering with it. And that grass is very important for grasses to have space. You don't want them to get stuck in their neighbors. So this one, I I got a very good piece of advice, which is always plant Stipa gigantea at the west side of the garden where it can catch the evening sun. Mm. And it is true that at sunset, it just is a blazing bonfire if it catches the evening sun. But what I didn't realize when I planted my Stipa gigantea at the west side of my gravel garden was that I have a large amount of trees west of it. So it never <laughs> catches the evening sun. There is no evening <laughs> Best laid plans. <laughs> That's late plans. But anyway, if you do have evening suns, put a steeple gigantia in it and it will just be magnificent. It's in bloom from June right through Christmas. 
around around Christmas, it looks a bit shabby. An amazing oregano, Oregon Kent Beauty, pink, pink, pink for weeks and weeks. The flowers are insanely tiny. You see tiny little pale, where are the flowers? There's hardly any flowers left. Tiny, tiny pale blue flowers. And uh, basically these are the pink brats behind. There's a flower. There's a <laughs> tiny flower. Uh, pink brats behind the flowers. And the brats stay on when flowers fall off. If any plant that has colored brats, you know it's going to stay in color, so to speak, for a long, long time. Yeah, brats are a gardener's friend. Brats are a gardener's friend. Sometimes they look a bit artificial. Uh, <laughs> they aren't petals, and you unconsciously know that. Uh, the uh, What's that amazing climber that grows all over the Mediterranean? Every every house is covered in bright pink or purple. Bougainvillea. And I hate yeah, bougainvillea. I really don't like bougainvillea, but those are brats. You can tell. Your, your, your gut knows that they're artificial. They're not real petals. Uh, this is finished flowering, but I think this is such a beautiful plant. Parahebe perfoliata. Mm. Yeah, parahebe. These, are the, the, these were the flowers, but they should be great long. Well, you can see all the seed heads. Great long strings of blue flowers pouring over the edge of the stone wall there. And really good leaves. Per, Parahebe perfoliata, because it's perfoliate. The stem appears to pierce straight through the leaves, right? It's not, uh, the, the leaves surround the stem. They, it's, it's not quite true, but that's what it looks like. They look as though the stem pierces. There's honeysuckles and eucalyptus that do that too, aren't there? Yes, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I do love how you get this extra dimension on the gravel garden that then it turns into this sort of dry stone wall that the dry plants can cascade over the edge. It's lovely. Yes. Actually, that's a really good point about gravel gardens in general. They need an edge. They need a reason to be here, like a stone wall. This, this tells you this is why the gravel finishes. This is where the grass starts. The reason I have a gravel garden, you know, it's not, it's very hard to fade the gravel into the grass in any reasonable way. But if you have a really strong edge, you know, that makes sense. Oh, I see. I'm changing level. That's why I have a stone wall. That's the edge of the gravel. Yeah, that's and a the, great point. This is a lovely geranium. Uh, you can probably grow that in Canham. Can you grow that, Alan? Yeah, it grows in our desert. Uh, Self-seed, yeah. and it self-seeds in a variety of shades from palest pink through to quite a deep mauve. Right, yes, there's one flower lurking on there. <laughs> nice mauve. Uh, this was in full flower a while ago, but it's beautiful foliage anyway. This is the first time it's ever self-sown for me. Uh, it almost always dies over the winter, but this year it's self-sowed very nicely. Thank you. I like it. I, I love the foliage, and the buds are beautiful. And it's looking so green. Considering where it is, exactly. it clearly gets so much sun, and it doesn't look yeah. frazzled at all. Yeah. It's never been it's never been watered. I think the form of that um, geranium in Carnum that we grow, Derry, has much grayer, sil more silvery foliage than yours. Oh right, yeah. In Carnum would mean silvery. Yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah. But this this is it, this is a South African native, and I got my seed in South Africa. Right. So it's a form of geranium in Carnum, yeah. but maybe there are other forms. But that's hardy for you. Yes. That lives from year to year. Yeah. Because yeah. it doesn't normally. And self-sows. And self-sows. Lovely. Lucky Rub it you. in. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. See, there are some advantages to not having any rain. <laughs> yeah. Rubbing it in the other way. <laughs> hey, Fordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time. Hey.